0: com and definitely check out those shows as well. Cara Forney is the author of Boy Moms, Collective Tales of Mothers and Sons. This was guest hosted by Juliana Goldman of Mama Den. Entrepreneur, startup advisor, and business coach Kara Forney has more than 30 years of experience with startups and executive leadership. Inspired by her own pregnancy experiences, in 2005, she became a dot-com founder, creating the bump.com for new moms, and then she grew the company to become the go-to resource for expectant motherhood. The bump was acquired by The Knot... And post-transition, Kara began consulting with startups and other endeavors. In addition to her work with founders, she combines her passion for education and her alma mater by serving as the executive director for the University of Arizona Corporate Initiative Program, developing creative partnerships with industry to provide greater access to higher education for working adults. In 2022, a desire to shed light on the real hashtag boy mom experience led Kara to create and publish Boy Moms. The book is a collection of essays by moms from all points of view, sharing their personal stories about the joys, challenges, and overall significance of the modern mother-son journey, which often looks very different from what society or social media portrays. This is Kara's first book.
1: Kara Forney, author of Boy Moms, Collective Tales of Mothers and Sons. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. Tell us about Boy Moms. What is it and why did you write this book?
2: So Boy Moms is an anthology of essays written by moms of boys talking about their very kind of raw, honest experiences of raising sons, how that may or may not have matched with what they thought it was going to be like. What are some of the things that made sense to them and then didn't make sense to them? And how did they work through that themselves? What did they learn about themselves as well as their sons? So it's just, I someone called it this, which I love because I remember those books, but someone called it the chicken soup for the boy mom's soul. It was, yeah, chicken soup, yeah. So, which it, actually, I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. It's the anthology of great essays written by wonderful moms, and you know, I think there's 46 of them. We had such great response to the call for essays that you know we had to really work very hard to decide which ones we're going to be in, and I think we got this great representative of a very diverse look at what it's really like to raise boys it's not this one size fits all it's it's often most often not what everyone told you it was going to be like it's so much more and so and and a lot of times very different so i'm really excited about it it was this very simple idea that i had but the the writers the essay writers really just elevated it to something really really special so i'm so pleased with it
1: It is chicken soup for the boy mom soul. It's like a warm cup of tea to just sit and you feel, I don't know, I feel like you finish it and you just kind of exhale and have a smile on your face. You really feel as, as a boy mom myself, you know, reading through it, you just feel really connected to a larger community out there.
2: Well, and that was my, I love hearing that because I think, you know, all writers, and I'm not necessarily a writer. I, I feel like I project managed this and I wrote an essay, but I'm not necessarily, you know, but I, I think that's what everyone wants from one of their, from their books, right? Is to really have their audience feel seen and have it resonate with them and have them really feel connected to something. And that's, that's what I wanted because this, a lot of the, my inspiration for this was just my own experiences, obviously raising boys, but then my experiences in the lives of, being involved in the lives of my friends and my peers raising boys. And a lot of times, if your experience did not match what those kind of preconceived you know, ideas you had or that society has around what it means to raise boys it could be very isolating and you could feel like you're doing something wrong or, or, you know, I'm, I'm not part of this larger group because my child doesn't do X, Y, and Z or my child is very different. And so that's what I wanted to really combat. And I wanted to just change that narrative around it so that all moms of boys feel seen and heard and part of that larger community that we are. And, and hopefully that's, that's what it does.
1: I want to come back to one essay in particular, because it just made me think of it, where it talks about um, trying to figure out what your son's talent is and this pressure to figure out what yes. that talent is. And the mother kind of coming to terms or realizing that, that her son's talent is not what, what other mothers might find in their sons. Exactly. Yes.
2: And I think I love that essay, and I think that speaks to you know all of us as mothers is we we it's like we we have, we feel this pressure to find our child's thing, right? You know yeah. what is their totally. thing, we got to yes, we've got to get them in that thing, and we've got to get them on that path, and they've got to start excelling in that thing, instead and of so just sitting back and kind of naturally watching things evolve and and take place. And you know that's one of the big things I learned as well is that because if we're trying to make our son have a thing, it's usually our thing, right? It's usually yes. what we think their thing should be. And I, I, you know, I'm very guilty of that. I did that so much. And it's only when I began to step back and let them kind of let their thing evolve that, you know, it really started taking root in them and made them flourish. So yeah, I love that. That's by, that one was by uh, Wendy Silberman. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic, yeah.
1: I love that Um, also the authors are not necessarily household names. How did you find everyone?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I'm so thrilled you pointed that out because that was very deliberate. That was very deliberate. When I was talking to my editor about this, Elizabeth Lyons, we went through, okay, what what would this look like? And even before we even kind of said it would be an anthology, what does this look like? And And then when we looked at an anthology, okay, so let's reach out to, who, who do we reach out to? And I mean, we quickly came to the decision not to have it be... Well-known names because we wanted it to be very kind of raw and real and from your, your neighbor or Mm -hmm. your best friend or someone that you could really relate to, you know, on all levels. So that was very deliberate. And what I also love about it is that, so we went everywhere. I went everywhere to find, to find these essays essay writers. So I went to mom groups. I went to writer groups. I went to mom writer groups, I went to my friends. I went to peers and colleagues. And, and I, what I also love is that there's such a diverse, not only are they not household names, it's a very diverse
1: group of women and cultures too. Yeah. And so you see the way. Yeah. I love that.
2: And, and they, so some are writers, some are, you know, coaches, some are stay-at-home moms, some are career women in very different fields. So I wanted everyone to at least find one essay that they could see themselves in. And I'm hopeful that that's what we were able to accomplish. And I, I think I love, you know, even the writers or the essay writers who aren't writers for a career, you know, having their essays out there and, you know, along with these women who are wonderful writers in their own right, and that's their career, I think is really fun.
1: It's also a very refreshing contrast to the more curated world of social media and mom influencers. There was one line in particular that I really, really related to. I mean, it sounds so basic, but someone writes, "How am I supposed to teach my son emotional regulation when my own emotions run wild?" I always, I think about that a lot. I have a six-year-old son right mm. now, and I'm, I, I'm just lately very cognizant of the behavior that I am modeling for him as well, right. especially in terms of emotional regulation.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. And I I think we can all relate to that. I totally. think that's such a universal thing. And going back to what you're saying about social media, and w- that was one of the big things too, that really was the kicker for, for me to do this because I started hearing all these things about, or or even talking to my friends. I We talk about being moms of boys and I'd hear, well, I'm yes, I have boys, but I'm not a hashtag boy mom. <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? Like, guess you are a boy mom. Right. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not one of those hashtag boy moms. What is the hashtag boy mom? So I started researching. Yeah, like, I mean, I I knew of course online, you know, on social media, but there's a lot of discussion on Reddit. There's several articles on how this hashtag boy mom culture is very aggressive it's very exclusive, not inclusive. It's like, it makes women feel like if you don't have a boy that fits into this mold, Mm -hmm. then you're not part of that hashtag boy mom culture. And so that just, I said, this is ridiculous. We should not be, you know, isolating ourselves. We should be coming together. We're all, you know, moms of boys. And so that really pushed me to, to, put this out there as kind of a diff, another a, a voice around boy moms and the, and the hashtag boy moms that different and
1: changes that narrative. Tell me if I'm wrong if I've missed this part, but you don't explicitly talk well many of the essays deal with neurodivergence, so whether it's autism, children on the spectrum, ADHD. I feel like it's not you don't say this in a foreword or anything, but but it's sort of woven in. Throughout, Yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the essays that are in the book are representative of all the essays that we received. What struck me was how many came in around a neurodivergent topic. And so whether it was, like you said, whether it was ADHD, um, you know, all the way to kind of full autism spectrum, that was very prevalent, which mm-hmm which is reflective of society today. And it is reflective of what's going on with our boys and, and that this is something that is affecting moms and their experiences as moms of boys in a very, very real way. And it also is a big factor in what impacts your experience as a boy mom that will directly be the antithesis of what maybe you expected and keeps you from having that typical boy mom experience. Right. So I think that is, I, I love it because I think it's very representative of what moms are experiencing today and how prevalent a lot of this neurodivergence is in our boys.
1: Yeah. I, again, back to social media, because it's not what you see women talking about on social media. This isn't what they want to highlight in terms of their, like their experience as a parent. And what was great, I thought was that there were so many examples of this throughout the book that I, there was one essay in particular that I completely related to. I think it was Will's little boy's name was Will. And I wanted to reach out to the mother and be like, oh, there are so many similarities. I would love like to know, different ways that you dealt with certain things. There was one essay in particular in talking about like the sensitivity of boy, like having a sensitive child. And again, this Mm -hmm. comes back to this topic. One of the authors, she has a son with ADHD and she writes that boys are deeply sensitive and deeply caring, but often taught not to show it. I'm deeply grateful that Will has stayed connected. Oh, this is the one. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm deeply grateful that Will has stayed connected to his sensitivity and I envision a world where this becomes the norm rather than the exception. I loved that.
2: That's beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I do think that is what causes a lot of anxiety in our kids today and our boys specifically is this tension around being deeply sensitive, but feeling like they can't share that or show that. And I think, you know, that's, part of the conversation that needs to happen is that we need to be very aware of that. I mean, when I first had boys, I literally said to myself, Oh, phew, I dodged a bullet. Meaning and I said that because I was your typical crazy, sassy teenager talking back, very emotional, you know, the whole thing. And I thought, you know, God's going to give me a girl just to get back at me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I went in with this, oh, no, great. I got boys. They're not going to be emotional. They're, I'm not going to have to deal with that. I was, uh, you know, 100% yeah. wrong. And I had a very sensitive firstborn. And, you know, in hindsight, I hope, you know, I look back and I think, what did what did that preconceived notion, how did that affect the way I parented him, you know, younger before I kind of had some enlightenment around you know, boys can be very deeply sensitive and we need to get underneath that kind of shell that that gets put on them and, and allow them to have those feelings and show them that it's okay and let them express them in the same ways that we let our daughters express their emotion.
1: This is a pretty, I feel like a novel parenting concept, at least in in this generation, I feel like there's more attention being paid to this now. But you think about boys like these sensitive boys, you know, 50 years ago and what they, you know, how that kind of parenting has shaped them and then what that has done and sort of the macro cycle of what ultimately it has like created in society. Well,
2: we can see it yeah right we can see it and i always like to say you know it's too late when they're running for president or they're being chosen for the supreme court or they're you know it's too late to start instilling those things in them we need to do it as boys so that when they become men they are doing the things that keep them very in touch with themselves mm-hmm. and and so that then they can execute their lives in such a way that that is healthy and respectful and generous and humble and loving those are words that that are not necessarily valued back, you know, previously, I think you're right. I think there's much more attention now, which I'm thrilled about. There's a lot more, you know, I think of um, there's Dave Thomas. He has a book called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. Mm -hmm. You know, there's more attention to it for sure than there was. And, but it still shocks me that, that there are, you know, continue to be kind of these tropes and ideas and preconceived, you know, things around, Boys, it's still very prominent. Women moms still feel very pressured to have this kind of picture perfect storybook. I my my I have a rough and tumble boy who plays right. sports on the weekend and this, that, and the other. And anyone who's not fitting into that still can feel very, very alone.
1: Yeah. No, the sensitivity and masculinity, it can coexist.
2: Absolutely.
1: It it absolutely does coexist. Totally. You've mm-hmm. just been smushing it down. Yeah. <laughs> It, my, yeah. We took my son, my son and my daughter, the Nutcracker last week, and my daughter was like a, a handful, let's put it mildly. And my son, he loved it, and he said, he said, I want to take dance lessons so I can be in the Nutcracker someday. And so oh. there's a part of I like now. Okay, I'm going to look for a dance class for him, but also I want him to be in a dance class that has other boys in it because there's also a boy energy that comes along with my son where like a typical ballet class probably wouldn't be the right fit for him and would turn him off from the experience. So there are these considerations that I think are unique to boys in this kind of situation. Okay. We can't,
0: or download the app today and use code BOOKS B O O K S all caps to get 1 month of the gold package for free plus 15% off all tiles that's life360.com code books
2: yes and and there is a you know it it's what kind of i think the book shows too is that you can you can have part of that stereotypical boy experience, but not all, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it doesn't mean I, I had both my boys were incredibly rough and tumble, very quote unquote typical in that, but very atypical in in other areas. Mm -hmm. And so it's not this kind of black and white, it's, you know, very interwoven. And what I wanted to say too, about, you know, you were talking about how boys are They are very sensitive, even though they may not show it. And it's our job to get underneath that, Mm -hmm. right? Because even though they don't seem like they are bothered or, you know, they really, truly care about something underneath it, they absolutely do. I mean, that's been proven. And so we have to, as moms and parents, dig down
1: and help them find that and stay in touch with it. Yeah, there's another essay. I just want to point out as people read this book that is like laugh out loud funny. And it begins, admittedly, mall shopping has never been my thing, but mall shopping with two small boys—that's a special kind of hell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like yes, yes. Uh, speaking, like bringing back. This is this is a chicken soup for the soul essay. I loved it, and it and there's like a really funny anecdote at the end. Uh, why was this an essay that you included?
2: Well, so we, again, we wanted to get really, you know, all different types of stories. So we wanted, we wanted humor as well as kind of the very raw, you know, real or emotional kind of pieces. So this was one of them that, you know, stood out to us that we thought, again, you know, a lot of women can relate to this. A lot of moms can relate to this. It doesn't necessarily matter what kind, what type of boy you have, you know, there's a lot of truth in just trying to wrangle two small children (laughs) in the mall and trying to go, especially with, you know, ones that have a lot of
1: energy. Um, And needing to go go into the bathroom with your sons too.
2: (laughs) Right. And, and the things that they say in the bathroom, because of what they observe in the bathroom. right? Yeah. I think we all have, I I have those, I have bathroom stories as well. (laughs) Oh my God. So yeah, it was great. That was great. We loved it.
1: What did you learn about being a boy mom while writing this, while working on it?
2: I think what really struck me is just how many moms wanted to share their story and were are just thrilled to be able to write about maybe their non-traditional or or not typical um, experience raising their son and what they learned from that. I think I went into this thinking, wow, this is going to be like pulling teeth, trying to get people to, you know, because who wants to write an essay? Like that?
0: right. <laughs>
2: that's like a school assignment. But it was unbelievable how the the response we got and since we've published just the the response of are you doing another one can i write a i want to share a story. i have a great story i have this i have that so that has been really wonderful to see and and just kind of confirm that notion that we all you know we all just want to we want to tell our story we want to be heard we want to be seen and we want to be acknowledged for it and mm-hmm. That, you know, our story is relevant and real for us. So I think that was the biggest thing that I, that surprised me.
1: Are you writing another one?
2: So we're trying to figure out what that would look like Mm -hmm. and and in what format that would look like. But I think, I feel like we have to, just the amount of women that have responded to this. I just, I feel like we have to. We're also looking at also working on something around daughters. Uh-huh. It's very different from this because I don't have daughters. So it's not coming from a like mom of daughters, but coming from being a daughter and, and kind of that, you know, um, uh, the family dynamic of daughters and sons and brothers and sisters and, and kind of the family thing. So yeah, a lot of really fun things, but I do think we have to do a boy moms too, in some fashion, because there are just too many wonderful stories out there
1: that people want to share. I can't wait. I want to turn to you because, in addition to being an author, you are also a co-founder. You are an entrepreneur. You're the founder of thebump.com. Yes, tell us about how that how you came to into that space.
2: Well, literally, I was pregnant and I was working. All the hours and doing all the things and very very busy and did not have a lot of time. This was with my first son. I had no time to really do a lot of research or anything. And and unbelievably, this was at the time there was not a lot out there where you could just you know go and oh I can look up where in my city I can get you know well, where are the maternity stores? Where are the baby stores? What should I be looking for? How should I be preparing? There was not a lot out there at the time, so. That's how it started. I went on my maternity leave from from my company and I just never went back because I started writing the business plan for something like that. Serendipitously, I looked at The Knot because The Knot.com helped me plan my wedding and so I was like, why is it there The Knot for pregnant women. Why, why is this not out there? So I kind of, I had that business model and then um, after building it for five years, the knot actually acquired it, (laughs) which worked out great. So then I went to work for the knot for three years running the bump before I exited and just started working with founders and consulting with them and women founders and, and helping them. So it was like a lot of good ideas. It was born out of necessity. There was something missing in the market. And I said, we've got to do something about it. And I figured I might as well do it.
1: Well, as I'm um, a big fan of The Bump and uh, someone who relied on it during my two pregnancies, I have a question I've always wondered. Yeah. How did you come up with the different size comparisons? Oh, Whether yeah. it's the fruit or the animal, I loved everything. Yeah. That's like, I love what, tracking that. Isn't that amazing? So it's yeah. amazing when you're a found when you start
2: a company, it's amazing what things resonate with people versus what you thought might resonate with people. That was not something that we put a ton of thought into. Really? <laughs> well, you know, we brainstormed it and had a great time with it. And that's kind of about it. And and now that is what it's because you know everyone measures where they are in their pregnancy with with, you know, those items. And so it's really, really fun to see that and watch that and how that came about. But I'd love to say it was like this amazing
1: stroke of genius, but it really,
2: <laughs> we just we just thought about things that made sense for the size and things that resonated and we thought were fun.
1: Is there like a head researcher on this that will find like the most obscure animal that's the size of like a grapefruit right.
2: or- yeah. Yeah, no, no, it was not, it was not anything that thought out. And, and so, that's, um, but that's what I love about just starting companies and being an entrepreneur and founding, you know, you just, a, a lot of those things that you don't expect to really just hit someone and to take off are, are the things that do. And the things that you put a lot of time and thought and money, quite frankly, into oftentimes don't. So there's a lot of kind of, Serendipity and the universe deciding what works and what doesn't work, which I think is part of the fun.
1: I just uh one final question. And that is as a, an entrepreneur, as a, an ambitious woman who's also a mother, a mother of sons, can you talk about what advice you would give to women who are trying to chart their career path and, and they share those ambitions, but they're also, you know, struggling with the needs of their children. Especially yeah. if they have a a neurodivergent child, and there's so much, you know, when you talk about the mental load, so much energy that needs to go, obviously, to figuring out, you know, what you, what your child needs and how to balance that.
2: Yeah. It's very very hard. I don't I don't know if I have a great pat answer for that because, you know, it's it's incredibly challenging when you're going through it. And there is no right answer. I mean, I, you know, purposefully when I was done with the knot and exited, I had to purposely I purposely chose not to start another company, not to become a founder again or a co-founder. There was opportunities for that, but I had, you know, put my kids in my mind, I'd put my kids through the ringer <laughs> for a while, and so I know I knew that I needed to take a step back and make that more of a priority. And so I did a very purposeful career choice to do consulting work, which allowed me the flexibility to be there when for for what my kids needed, and and to you know they had they were in grade school, and so I was able to be at their things and take them to their things. So. I think my short answer is you need to absolutely follow at any given time what the needs of your family and your your kind of world are and try to pattern your career around that and around what is at the time, you know, your biggest priority. There were other times when my family, my kids did not need as much attention. And so I was able to do a lot more or do things a little bit differently with my career. I look at it as a very fluid thing. It's not the straight shot, which I thought it was when I was 22 and graduated and working for IBM and thought I would run IBM one day, right? Mm -hmm. That absolutely did not happen because of my competing priorities. And that's okay. You have to build the career that works for you. And what I love today is that there's so many ways to do that, just mm-hmm. with remote work, with, you know, you you can live anywhere, you can be anywhere, you can work all hours. And I don't mean work all the hours. I mean, work the hours that work for you, right. um, wherever you are. And my mantra has always been work-life integration, not work-life balance because I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work-life balance doesn't work for me because it puts more pressure on us because we feel like at any given time when it's out of balance, we feel like we're not doing it right. And it's always out of balance right? It's always had a balance, you know, it's it's never, so to me, it's integration where, how do you fit your work into your life? How do you, you know, and how, where does your family fit into that? And it's always integrated. And the other thing for me is I've always said excellence, not perfection. I'm I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> so I had to learn, especially being a founder, that you have to You have to just put stuff out there and it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be excellent. Excellent. And what excellence means is that you are doing the best possible job you can with the knowledge, with the resources, and with the capacity that you have at that given time. So if you're doing that, you're putting out excellent work and you're doing an excellent job. You're not doing a perfect job because that's impossible. Right. So Helping me so switching those termin that terminology with me it, it, that really helped me because I applied that to my work life and to my family life.
1: I was just gonna say as a parent too, you can yeah. be excellent, but you're never. I mean, you're never gonna be perfect.
2: No, and and yeah. so if we're if we're trying for perfection, perfection is the enemy of creativity, right? If you're trying to be perfect, there's no room for creativity. There's no room to try and work things differently, right? There's no room to find different answers. So. I try to, yes, I apply that to everything. I try to apply that to my parenting, my my marriage, my career, all of it.
1: I, I also love that perfection is the enemy of creativity. Yeah. That's, that's one of my key takeaways from this conversation. Thank yeah. you. Good. Absolutely. You're welcome. Cara Forney, thank you for the time. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode
0: of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.